I'm Dr. Future, your host. I invite you to join me as together we experience a future quake. 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 Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I'm Dr. Future. And I'm Tom Thermophilic Bionic. Thermophilic. That means you really like heat. Yes. <laughs> it's awesome that you yeah, know that. Yeah. I appreciate it. Now, if you were thermophobic, you wouldn't like heat. Yeah. Um, I've been I've been making a compost pile. Uh, yeah. You know, you've got the thermophilic ones, which yeah. are like heat loving. Right. You know, they get up to like 150 degrees. Yeah, they get hot. Yeah. And then the mesophilic right. ones, they're like, you know, just not hot. Speaking of compost piles, welcome to Future Quake. Mm-hmm. It's great to be back with you for another week of looking at what's going on in the world and trying the best we can to look at it from God's view. And thank you, everybody out there, for joining us. And we've got a whole big old stack of news to go through this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, next week, we're going to have Tom Horn joining us, uh, talking about his new book out. But uh, we've got a lot of stuff to go through. But i got a ton of announcements. Matter of fact, mm-hmm. run through some of these Roll and you comment on them yep. if you like. The big thing for us coming up... This is going to be an We are um, going to try something unique. We are going to have a time of prayer for our Christian leaders and our media officials outside of the National Religious Broadcasters Convention. Mm-hmm. And my buddy Tom and I are going to be out there at the Future Mobile. I've uh, drafted a prayer uh, to read uh, regarding the issues that we're praying for God's wisdom for our Christian leaders in America for. And uh, we are praying for a supernatural work of God. We want God to do something that none of us could ever envision we could ever do. And we think prayer is the beginning of it. And so uh, we're not really going to be able to set foot in there because we don't have enough money to yep. set foot in those meetings. That's important. It, that's always an important thing when you, like, a bunch of religious broadcasters are getting together. Yeah. Like, you got to have a lot of cash. But uh, That's what God looks like. We can at least look out like. in the cold, look yep. in. But we're going to pray, mm-hmm. and, and we're going to pray for God to work. And, you know, he yep. has the cattle on a thousand hills, so yep. he can do what needs to be done. There's even a flag involved, isn't there? Well, it's funny you say that. Hopefully tomorrow... Um, and we're going to be in the Opry Mills parking lot, at least, Lord willing, unless they shut it down or move us along. Mm-hmm. Um, between the movie theater uh, and the uh, Opryland Hotel. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to have the future mobile out there. It might be an empty parking lot. There might be parked out, people parked. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But um, we've got a new Future Quake flag picking up tomorrow. Hopefully it's going to be ready tomorrow. It's, it's, a, it's a vinyl Kind of flag, it's not a cloth one, but mm-hmm. anyway, we've got a flagpole and I got something to set it up there. So if there are other cars there, you shouldn't miss it. Uh, seeing the future quick flag, but bottom line is, we <clears throat> like everybody within reasonable driving distance of Nashville. If you feel led by the Lord to come join us and pray, this is not a meeting or event, it's just uh, Tom and Doctor praying. Mm-hmm. And if you would like to join us in our prayer. We're going to be there at 5 p.m. on Saturday, December or February 26th. Uh, uh, Saturday, February 26th at 5 p.m. Central Time, and we'll probably be there 45 minutes to an hour. And uh, unless we're told to move along by security, which mm-hmm. may happen, and if that happens, we're not going to throw a big fit. We already have Plan B, 
uh, right outside the Opryland facility is a Shoney's restaurant, mm-hmm. and we've talked to them. They've got a room there. If we have to move along earlier, we will pick up our prayer where we left off at the Shoney's. Mm-hmm. And even if we are there till the end of it, we will go over there and have a bite to eat and fellowship. If anybody shows up. There you go. Uh, are you hearing that there are some other local independent Christian media people that might join us there? Possibly. Possibly? Possibly. Okay. They're just juries out to see if they've got like a... They might be out of town. Disco dance or something yeah. to go to. Okay. Big, big in the... Uh, in the uh, composting world well brother adam one of our listeners uh-huh. uh i think he'll he's be, there. be there yeah and we'd like to have all of you all there mm-hmm. uh all thirty thousand of you just get in a car and come on over everybody Pollen, texas come on in. Man. yeah and uh well all of our friends yeah south africa everywhere yeah. just just come on along okay yeah. uh missionaries dion. in the ukraine dion mm-hmm. dion and, and uh, johnny the longshoreman mm-hmm yeah yeah, yeah. audra all of you all come mm-hmm. on over this way mm-hmm. um but uh Anyway, be praying about that. Uh, at the time that you hear this show, there should be on the website uh, a, a little bit of a description about this, and there'll be some uh, things that you can download, some PDFs that actually have the prayer that's been prepared uh, that you can look at and even start praying about right now. Um, there also is a little press release that's been put together that uh, is getting ready to go out to a bunch of other ministries and see if they can spread the word. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also there's some uh, directions, logistical arrangements and stuff where you can know better how to find us. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are all prepared and going on the website. And uh, we're hoping between everybody who's there and those who are praying with us at the same time mm-hmm. that God's going to hear from a lot of us mm-hmm. uh, at 5 p.m. Central Time, wherever our Futurians are and our other friends around the world. Cool. And it will, anything that happens good will be in God's strength. So check that out at futurequake.com. Go to the front and uh, give us some feedback, what you think about it. Another thing is I hope you all noticed that um, this past week did a little kamikaze effort to start the daily show format. Uh, for those of you who like smaller segment shows for your listening pleasure, uh, I made a little boo-boo on the ones on the uh, on the website and had a dash instead of an underscore in his file name. So it took a day or two to get, fix that. Thank you, for listener, for letting us know about that. I hope you all have enjoyed it. But what we need to know uh, is drop us an email. In, all you have to do is just put in the title, um, hey, this is worth it for me or not worth it for me. Because it's a lot of work involved in doing it, and it's some work we're taking for some other things. But if it's something really useful, we'll keep it up. But we, we need to hear from you to know that. So if you could please let us know. Uh, also on iTunes and on the podcasting, we're also now updating daily uh, these individual shows. And uh, uh, as a reminder, again, they're small enough that you can upload them to YouTube if you want. So feel free, if you find anything useful, to uh, sh- ship it up there. Mm-hmm. We've got some interviews that will be broken up that way here soon. And you can take interview segments as well, too, uh, mm-hmm. that way. So anyway, let us know what you think about it. Um, also, another thing that's brand new, it's just like everything's hitting here in the next couple of months. We have a new site, uh, futurequake.com slash shows. Uh, that is a detailed show description uh, that's in a WordPress format. So it's more searchable, uh, and it's better for the search engines and things. But it's going to take me forever to get all the shows uploaded. I think I've got 66 of them so far. So we haven't even gotten into the WENO phase of shows yet with the press releases and things. That's coming. So if you can bear with us, uh, that will be integrated into there. But uh, feel free to check out over there if you want 
anything like that. Again, it has search capability uh, about it. And um, something else to pray about, there's a book on transhumanism that's coming out, and Tom Horns asked me to prepare a piece for it. Uh, and so just pray that something useful will come out of that. And keep the Horns in your prayer, too, with their home loss. Uh, mm-hmm. I can't imagine what that would be like starting over like that. Can you imagine the future quake facility here, all of the... Would burn for days. Yeah, it looks. It sort of looks like the David Koresh, you know, facility. Yeah. Very similar here, but bigger. Yeah, I'd go up like a torch. Um, oh, something else new that you'll be seeing on the website here probably within the next week. Um, got a new Future Quake collector book set. That's cool. And this collector book set something unique, and we're sort of brainstorming a little bit with a good friend of our show, which, by the way, I called him the fifth Beatle of Future Quake, and he said he's probably more likely seventh Beatle. Oh. And this was Andrew Hoffman, a writer of the Eugenics Wars. Uh, he know, said I, he said Robert Hyde and Chris White probably would more fight for the fifth yeah, or sixth uh, Beatle yeah. designation. Well, you know, it's funny, man. Uh, his book, I just recently gave it to somebody, Yeah. and they and pestered him about reading it. And they said, I can't walk around with the cover like this. So <laughs> yeah. they cut the cover off. And I see yeah. him every once in a while. They're walking around with his book with no cover. I'm like, oh. <laughs> That's okay. It gets attention. Yeah. The New World Order and the Eugenics Wars. L- ladies and gentlemen, I, I got um, the two books that we're featuring, uh, Andrew Hoffman's book, uh, The New World Order and the Eugenics Wars, and also uh, Judge Andrew DiPolitano's book, Lies the Government Told You, um, and gave them to all my relatives for Christmas. And uh, it got quite a few eyebrows raised. <laughs> but these two books in total really cover 90% of what we cover on Future Quake. Mm-hmm. Uh, Judge Napolitano uh, is, of course, a person of impeccable credentials that shows in every area of our society how our government has lied and deceived and therefore is not trustworthy, and we should be rightfully skeptical over what they do in a healthy way. Uh, and he documents all of that uh, and confirms many things we've talked about on our show. And then in, in the New World Order, the Eugenics Wars, Andrew Hoffman adds the extra element, which is the spiritual element. Mm-hmm. He says what goes on in the spirit heavenlies from the Bible, mm-hmm. um, what the nature of spiritual warfare is in this world and how it affects our politics and our social issues of today directly. And, and those in total together make a complete statement mm-hmm. Uh, you will understand, again, 90 to 95% of what we talk about on Future Quake. Mm-hmm. And, and this set, not only is something that you should have in your library as a reference, but this is something that we think you should do like what I did with my relatives. Give them this, this set for some people who can't handle Future Quake. <laughs> they can't handle the stuff, you know, like drinking from a fire hose right off the bat. If they can start with somebody they know, like Judge Napolitano, get their bearing with it, Go into Andrew Hoffman's book. He does a very good job of folding in the spiritual stuff. Your odds of them being able to understand the crazy stuff you talk about in Future Quake will be much, much higher. And so we're making that available. Uh, some of the proceeds, it's it's at a you know competitive retail price. Uh, we're now looking at a price of twenty nine ninety five for both books together. Uh, yeah, a little bit of that will actually help some of our expenses for our ministry, like this thing at the NRB we're doing. Uh, and uh, Andrew Hoffman uh, is, again, he's doing mm-hmm. a lot of the help on that yep. and putting that together. Mm-hmm. And I want to support him and his yeah. work, too. Yeah. So that's it. But uh, it is, And it's got very unique artwork. It's got a special sleeve designed around it that is Future Quake unique. Mm-hmm. And it's got murals and pictures, uh, things on it that uh, will freak you out. Cool. 
So there you uh, go. It, it is it is cool. I mean, I say I don't just mean cool. Let's move on. I mean, it's really cool. It's the kind of stuff we've been told to do for a long time, and, and you just have to stop it. and do yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. you got to stop and do it. And we appreciate because yeah. this is something the Lord can use to uh, to help us. Mm-hmm. Um, Politics of Religion Conference. Uh, hopefully, should have a uh, link up there by now. Um, that's the place you want to be. You and I are both speaking. It's going to rock. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, and even more people are coming. Now, Russ Dizdar is going to speak. Mm-hmm. Joe Jordan is going to speak. He's not. I don't think Joe's speaking. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, Russ is going to be there. Um, let's see. And then the usual lineup of suspects. Uh, yeah. You, me, Chris White, Chris Pinto. Mm-hmm. Um, who else? Chris, uh, let's see. Chris, Chris, Andrew Hoffman, you, me. Oh, okay, Andrew's going to be there. Yeah, okay. Andrew Hoffman. He might be doing, well, I, I don't want to let the cat out of the bag, but he might be doing more than one presentation, and it will. Really? Yeah. It's it's going to be awesome. If Hoffman's speaking, it's worth the price of admission. <sighs> that guy's a machine. Um, It's it's going to be the big event. Uh, mm-hmm. Last year, it was the uh, last day's conference. Mm-hmm. This year, it's going to be uh, the Politics of Religion conference. Mm-hmm. If you go to thepoliticsofreligion.com, You'll find out everything about it. It's got meals included. It's very, very small price, but it's got meals and other things. Covers the room there, mm-hmm. uh, f- you know, for uh, our meeting place. Uh, or you can go to frontoffuturequake.com, and we'll take you there. Mm-hmm. Any other comment on it? I'm just really looking forward to it. Should I be awesome. It, it's going to be, um, just from my own perspective and doing the research to present and everything, um, it has made me not a happy camper. Really? Yeah. It's, it's just Hasn't been as dark. pleasant information as what we carry on Future Quake normally. No, you know, if you call uh, if you call uh, uh, CIA NATO blowing people up to uh, influence politics in, in individual countries, mm-hmm. uh, uplifting, then it's uplifting. So you're going to give them a, an inspirational can-do talk. You're uh, going to be like, like the Norman Vincent Peale Yeah, if, if, can, if can-do means um, look at the history of, of, you know, false flag operations that our government has supported in other countries for the, since 1950, then yes. People should bring a skeptical Christian friend with them, shouldn't they? Mm-hmm. Somebody I think people who, should. Somebody at their church or relative they know, that mm-hmm. no, this is not true, no, this stuff's true. If they if they get a dose of all this, this stuff, and just challenge them to ask questions in the conference. Mm-hmm. Say, say, you don't believe this stuff? You ask questions of these people. Find out. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it had the same effect. I had a... A brother of mine, who a uh, Christian brother who went with me to the first Ancient of Days conference, uh, 2005, the one we mm-hmm. went to, and uh, in Roswell, and his jaw dropped and never closed for the whole time we were there. <laughs> so, uh, ladies and gentlemen, y'all should check that out. Yeah. Um, keep praying for us. Lots of stuff going on. Yep. I haven't even talked about all the ministry stuff going on with you, but I'd sure appreciate everybody's prayers. Uh, for the reasons of things that we just talked about and some of the details involved, particularly the, just the show demands on, mm-hmm. on the daily thing and some other stuff, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm feeling a little overwhelmed. I've been sort of crying on uh, my brother's shoulder here while he's got ten times the stuff I have to do. Uh, but I'd sure appreciate everybody's prayers for sanity. And and uh, I want to thank everybody for their emails and information that they have been uh, sharing with us. A lot of this stuff's going to make it into future shows. Not just your comments, but your links and stuff. Yeah. And it really guest suggestions. There were some great ones that you forwarded yeah. to me a couple of days ago. It was but, like, wow. But I, 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 I start a radio show. I want to confess to you all a little bit of my limitation. Um, just about everything we got going on is between now and the 1st of April. And so on some of our emails, I want you to still keep sending this information and leads and questions. 
If you don't hear from me on a few of them here and there, it's because I'm a little desperate to get some of these things done, uh, like some of these talks and writing and things like that. So if you all can just bear with me and give me a little grace. I know you all do that, Futurians. Mm-hmm. You all are very loving people. Uh, I, I feel terribly guilty doing that because you all ask the most difficult, intriguing, thought-provoking questions that require like 10 pages to answer. And... uh uh, you deserve the proper answer. So if you You're all can just bear with me. You're basically capable of writing a, like a concise email, too. Thank I mean, you very much. It's like, you know, you're not like ditto. Yeah, I, I don't like, <laughs> and you know, when you deal with like the the real successful people, that's yeah. why they always answer. You'll have 20 questions and they'll say yes, no, yes, yes, no, yes, no, yes. I know, I haven't mm-hmm. quite figured out how to do that. I think Mike Kaiser's an expert at that, by the way. Yeah, he's uh, got this thing on his website that says, you can send me an email here, but read this first. And you read it, it says, remember that guy in the carnival that's with the spinning plates? That's me. <laughs> he is. Yeah. He is. Okay, it's time for news. Great. Oh, no, no the, well, there's one more. There's, isn't there isn't there a little thing it. up on the front of Future Quake? A little button? Or do you want to not talk uh, about that? If you want to mention no, it. No, we'll, uh, we'll leave it. It'll be a secret. You can. You no, can I'm, not, I'm not mentioning it. I'm not. Okay. I won't. I'll okay. be secret. Go to the front of futurequake.com. There's a whole bunch of new stuff posted on the front face. Mm-hmm. And just let the Lord talk to you. Yeah, there how, you go. How about that? All right. Okay. You got a... Uh, I do. This is kind of a novel, so I'm going to break it up into various things. Yeah. Well, I, I read a lot. It was the awesome, best of so. times. It was the worst of times. Okay. Call me Ishmael. You want me to help you edit? Uh, <laughs> boring. <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, Let me jump in see, here. See, because you have such an analytical economic mind that sometimes us plebeians, we get lost. Yeah, right? most people don't don't call me analytical or economic. No, you just they, did. say moon unit, moon bat. Yeah, but you're our moon bat here. Yeah. Anyway, this is, uh, this is called Lies, Damn Lies, and Medical Science. Uh, it's by Watch guy, your mouth. It's called David. It's by David H. Freeman. I'm just reading the title of the the. the just thing. talking about Tom Bionic. <laughs> <laughs> Who is the man that reads the stories every week? Bionic, Tom Bionic. <laughs> You've sorry. been hanging about me too long, man. <laughs> okay. You're gonna have, have people writing in. The hate mail that's meant for me is going to you now. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Uh, so it's written by a gentleman named David H. Freeman. In 2001... Where'd you get this from, the article? Um, gosh, uh, I believe it was The Atlantic. Okay. I, I usually include it, but you, but you only ask me when I don't. And so I'm, I apologize. Um, in 2001, rumors were circulating in Greek hospitals that surgery residents, eager to rack up scalpel time, were falsely diagnosing hapless Albanian immigrants with appendicitis. At the University I, of Ioni... Ionenia. Oh, yeah. Question mark. Medical school's teaching hospital, a newly minted doctor named Athena uh, Tazioni, uh, was, was discussing the rumors with coll- colleagues when a professor who had overheard asked her if she'd like to try to prove whether they were true. He seemed to be almost daring her. She accepted the challenge and with with the professors and other colleagues' help, eventually produced a formal study showing that, for whatever reason, the appendices removed from patients with Albanian names in six Greek hospitals were more than three times as likely to be perfectly healthy as those removed from patients with Greek names. Hmm. It was hard to find a journal willing to publish it, but we did, recalls Tatsioni. 
I also discovered that I really like research. Good thing, because the study had actually been, sort, been a sort of audition. The professor, it turned out, had been putting together a team of exceptionally brash and curious young clinicians and PhDs to join him in tackling an unusual and controversial agenda. Last spring, I sat in on one of the team's, school, the team's weekly meetings on the medical school's campus, which is plunked crazily across a series of sharp hills. The building in which we met, like most at the school, had a lot blah, blah, blah. Anyway, let me go down to the next paragraph. Um, one of the researchers, a biostatistician named Georgia Salanti, fired up a laptop and projector and started to te- take the group through a study she and a few few colleagues were completing that asked this question. Were drug companies manipulating published research to make their drugs look good? Salanti ticked off data that seemed to indicate they were, but the other team members almost immediately started interpreting. Uh... One noted that Salanti's study didn't address the fact that drug company research wasn't measured critically important hard outcomes for patients, such as survival versus death, and instead intended to measure softer outcomes, such as self-reported symptoms. My chest doesn't hurt as bad today. So they're saying that basically they're saying that it might be vague. Mm-hmm. You know, the the conclusion is perhaps vague. <clears throat> Another pointed out that Salanti's study ignored the fact that when drug company data seemed to show patients' health improving, the data often failed to show that the drug was responsible or that the improvement was more than marginal. False positive mm-hmm. possible. Salanti remained poised, as if the grilling were par for the course and gamely acknowledged that the suggestions were all good, but a single study can't prove everything, she said. Just as I was getting the sense that the data in drug companies were endlessly malleable, Ionitis who had been mostly listening, delivered what felt like a coup de grace. Wasn't it possible, he asked, that drug companies were carefully selecting the topics of their studies? Ding. For example, comparing their new drugs against those already known to be inferior to others on the market, uh, so that they were ahead of the game even before the data juggling began. Maybe sometimes it's the question that they are biased, not the answers, he said, flashing a friendly smile. Everyone nodded. Though the results of the drug drug studies often make newspaper headlines, you have to wonder whether they prove anything at all. Indeed, given the breadth and the the breadth and the breadth of the potential problems raised at the meeting, can any medical research study be trusted? That question has been central to Ionitis' career. He's what's known as a meta researcher, and he's become one of the world's foremost experts on the credibility of medical researchers. Um, He charges that as much as 90% of the published medical information that doctors rely on is flawed. Wow, 90%. Yeah. Um, And that's life and death for us, what our personal physicians mm -hmm. are recommending to us. Yep, unless you just eat a really healthy diet. Grow Mm -hmm. your own food, Mm -hmm. raise your own chickens. And then you'll live forever. You'll never, ever have to go to a doctor again, right? Never. Even when you're 90. You'll you'll, you'll be out there. You'll you'll look like... uh, you look like David Hasselhoff mm. when you're 90. When he's holding his stomach in or when he's not? When is he ever holding his stomach Oh, yeah. Through all of Baywatch, he always had his holding his stomach in. Oh, really? You ever noticed that? No. Oh. I, I never watched Baywatch. Yeah. But you know David Hasselhoff. I know, because I watched this show where it was like, it was a, it was sort of a sort of a joke where was, this guy went in to have plastic surgery, and they said, well, you could have this nose, this nose, or the mm-hmm. face of David Hasselhoff. And so then I looked it up to see who David Hasselhoff was. That's the extent of your knowledge of him? Yeah. Okay, proceed. <clears throat> Given this exposure, 
in the fact that his work broadly targets everyone else's work in medicine, as well as everything that physicians do and all the health advice we get. Ioannidis uh, may be one of the most influential scientists alive, yet for all his influence, he worries that the field of medical research is so pervasively flawed and so riddled with conflicts of interest that it might be chronically resistant to change or even to publicity admitting that there's a problem. And I'll stop there because the article goes on mm. and on. But I mean, uh, I mean, I know that was a long lead-in, but the fact that the the you know the heavy hitter of meta research is saying that ninety percent of what of what is relied on as published medical data is incorrect. That's a pretty big. So uh, people who take it with a grain of salt have very good reason to take it with a grain of salt. They're not just kooky. Or um, maybe it's I not mean, the reason they are. It's no, it's probably just that f- some facts are contradictory. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah you're apparently, talking spiritualized. Apparently, ninety percent of them. Well, you know, I took a class um, called Design of Experiments in graduate school in mm-hmm. engineering, and it was a fascinating class. It was about how to set up experiments to get the most data with the minimal number of experiments, but also to do it in a way that was um, responsible and mm-hmm. accurate. And through that, that was I was very limited in my statistical training. I mean, that was one of the few classes I had in it. Mm-hmm. But it became very, very obvious to me how even people out of ignorance can come up with false associations where something that really doesn't correlate, like if A, then B, mm-hmm. but A and B just happen to be around at the same time. So they said, oh, they're mm-hmm. having a direct correlation on it yeah. because it was a poorly set up experiment, mm-hmm. poorly set up test, and then... Big billion-dollar ones happen all the time. Mm-hmm. Even in the production of cars and stuff like that, mm-hmm. that that whole thing I'm talking about is what led J- Japan to eclipse the United States in the 70s mm. in the car industry and things like that and electronics and things because of this uh, using these techniques. But what it showed me, and they admitted it in the class, is that most of the statistics we hear quoted in society on the news and things like that mm-hmm. are totally totally false and have been misleading on purpose. Of course, you can look at the tobacco lobby. You know, they're experts yeah. at that, and our government is even worse than them. You know what You know what hit me when I was a little kid? is I, It might it might have been 60 Minutes or one of these other things, one of these other um, sort of expose-type TV shows did a did an expose on tobacco plants in, in Colombia, and they said that they had knowingly genetically engineered them to have three times as much... Um, Carcinogens and uh, um, nicotine in them. Yeah. Uh, not because, and it, like in their own research, because that's what what's going to keep people smoking. Yeah, the addictive part of the mm-hmm. nicotine. Yeah. And it, they just went on and on about how mm-hmm. bad, not only just that, but also how they treated the farmers and how they mm-hmm. did all that stuff. And I was sitting there listening to this as like a twelve-year-old kid going, mm-hmm. "Man, if this is true, everything I know about the world's like." Pharmaceutical industry is just like them. There's not yeah. what's the difference between them. The name, <laughs> basically. Yeah. And one of them's politically incorrect, and one's not. Yeah. But, but same techniques. Yeah. Same, exactly the same. I have a long story. Uh, it's something that you know about, mm-hmm. but I wanted it submitted into the formal record of Future Quake because it's Please. a breaking story this week. All right. Uh, it's something that confirms what we suspected all along. And if it's a little long-winded for you, I just want you to truncate me. During it, okay? Get the cane out, okay? Yep. Uh, this was from the New York Times. Uh, a lot of people are familiar with this. Just want to oh, ask a comment. This is a good one. Stuxnet worm used against Iran was tested in Israel. Uh, New York Times came out this week. In case you somehow didn't hear this, 
they've been sort of uh, mentioning this a few places in mainstream media and sort of snickering about it. President Ahmadinejad of Iran toured the Natanz Plant in 2008. The Demona complex in the Negev Desert, now that's in Israel, mm-hmm. is famous as the heavily guarded heart of Israel's never acknowledged nuclear arms program, where neat rows of factories make atomic fuel for the arsenal. Again, they never admit they have nukes. Hmm. Over the past two years, according to intelligence and military experts familiar with its operations, Demona has taken on a new equally secret role as a critical testing ground in a joint American and Israeli effort to undermine Iran's efforts to make a bomb of its own. Okay, so now the speculation's off. Uh, behind Demona's barbed wire, the experts say, Israel has spun nuclear centrifuges virtually identical to Iran's at Natanz, where Iranian scientists are struggling to enrich uranium. They say Demona tested the effectiveness of the Stuxnet computer worm, a destructive program that appears to have wiped out roughly a fifth of Iran's nuclear centrifuges and helped delay, though not destroy, Tehran's ability to make its first nuclear arms. To check out the worm, you have to know the machines, said an American expert on nuclear intelligence. The reason the worm has been effective is that the Israelis tried it out. I know. This is, this is, this is the really fascinating part about yeah. this story, I think. Though American and Israeli officials refuse to talk publicly about what goes on at Demona, the operations there as well as related, but you know, they get mad at the Iranians that there's no transparency mm-hmm. there. Um, but these are our guys, so it's okay to do it. Um, the operations there, as well as related efforts in the United States, are among the newest and strongest clues suggesting that the virus uh, was designed as an American-Israeli project to sabotage the Iranian program. In recent days, this is the New York Times admitting this, you mm-hmm. know, in, and this is what all those crazy conspiracy theorists thought all along. Mm-hmm. In recent days, the retiring chief of Israel's Mossad intelligence agency, Mir Dagan, and the Secretary of State, Hillary Rodham Clinton, separately announced that they believed Iran's efforts had been set back by several years. Mrs. Clinton cited American-led sanctions, which have hurt Iran's ability to buy components and do business around the world. So she knowingly lied to the American public on what was the cause. Yeah. Um, the gruff Mr. Dagon, who, whose organization has been accused by Iran of being behind the deaths of several Iranian scientists, told the Israeli Knesset in recent days that Iran had run into technological difficulties that could delay a bomb until 2015. That represented a sharp reversal from Israel's long-held argument that Iran was on the cusp of success. The biggest single factor in putting time on the nuclear clock appears to be Stuxnet, the most sophisticated cyber weapon ever deployed. In interviews over the last three months in the United States and Europe, experts have picked apart the computer worm uh, who have picked it apart, describe it as far more complex and ingenious than anything they had imagined when it began circulating around the world unexplained in mid-2009. Many mysteries remain, chief among them exactly who constructed it, a computer worm that appears to have several authors on several continents. But the digital trail is littered with intriguing bits of evidence. Uh, in early 2008, the German company Siemens cooperated with one of the United States' premier national laboratories in Idaho, to identify the vulnerabilities of computer controllers that the company sells to operate industrial machinery around the world and that American intelligence agencies have identified as key equipment in Iran's enrichment facilities. Have you read this? 
I have. Anywhere this okay? Yeah. I, I think uh, I've read the exact same article recently, okay, but it's really good. Okay. So you keep tell on. me if I bore you. Siemens. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Siemens said that the program was part of routine efforts to secure its products against cyber attacks. Nevertheless, it gave the Idaho National Laboratory, which is part of the Energy Department, uh, responsible for America's nuclear arms, the chance to identify well-hidden holes in the Siemens systems that were exploited the next year by Stuxnet. So hmm. now we know somebody who had their hands on how to figure out how to get around it. Mm-hmm. The worm itself now appears to have included two major components. One was designed to send Iran's nuclear centrifuges spinning wildly out of control. The, another seems right out of the movies. The computer program also secretly recorded what normal operations at the nuclear plant look like then played those readings back to plant operators, like a pre-recorded security tape in a bank That was a genius. Yeah. So it has no idea. It's total evil, but it's a genius. So that it would appear that everything was operating normally while the centrifuges were actually tearing themselves apart. The attacks were not fully successful. Some of Iran's operations ground to a halt while they survived. Um, uh, Just skipping on here, he says, it's like a playbook. said Ralph Langer, an independent computer security expert in Hamburg, Germany, who was among the first to decode Stuxnet. Anyone who looks at it carefully can build something like it. Mr. Langer is among experts who expressed fear that the attack had legitimized a new form of industrial warfare, one to which the United States is also highly vulnerable. Yeah, well, one of the stories that I read a couple of months ago was the fact that China siphoned off 15% of all the Internet traffic in the world for about an hour. Is that right? Yeah. All, like all the the trans everything emitting capability, and not just not just not just commercial and personal military too. Wow, fifteen percent. <laughs> well, it says here that neither American or Israeli officials will utter the name of the malicious computer program. It says, but Israeli officials grin widely when asked about its effects. Mr. Obama's chief strategist uh, for combating weapons of mass destruction, Gary Samore sidestep a Stuxnet question in a recent conference about Iran, but added with a smile, I'm glad to hear that they're having troubles with their centrifuge machines, and the U.S. and its allies are doing everything we can to make it more complicated. Hmm. So uh, I'm going to skip to the rest of it, but uh, uh, basically what they did was they brought this in, they got a hold of some of these centrifuges, like what mm-hmm. they had, and several places in Washington... In, in uh, the United States was trying to get these things to run and couldn't mm-hmm. get them to run. Uh, and England tried to get them to run. And only Israel was able to get these centrifuges to run. So then they could design this Stuxnet to actually make them explode. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I, I think this is, the, this is the wave of the future, basically. Um, you know, maybe been, that's why. Maybe that's why we have such problems with Skype so often. Could be. It could be. They they're actually trying to break us yeah. here. You know, Stuxnet future quake dot. Of course, how could <laughs> dot broken? How could they? Uh, how could we forget who did it? Because there's so many people who wants to destroy us. You know. Yeah. Um, it, it says uh, um, how and when Israel obtained this kind of first generation centrifuge remains unclear. Whether from Europe. Or the Khan network, it's AQ Khan from mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Pakistan, or by other means. But nuclear experts agree that Demona came to hold row upon row with spinning centrifuges. They've long been an important part of the complex. Abner Cohen, author of, quote, The Worst Kept Secret, a book about the Israeli bomb program, and a senior fellow at the Monterey Institute of International Studies. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but uh, I guess the question I have, if this was done by another country against us, what would it be called? An act of war. We'd go blow them up. Be terrorism, right? Well, maybe, yeah. Be considered terrorism. I think they just call it an out-and-out act of war, but... Well, aren't they... Uh, are, have there been talk about actually putting something in our water supply or food supply? Or, you know, they're always scaring us with different things. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's a good thing you, you're here. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, we consider those things terrorist attacks. You yeah. know, they talked about them taking over grids, cyber unless, warfare. Unless our government does it, in which case it's for our own good. In that case, everybody's cheering. Everybody's yeah. cheering about it, okay? But we've done an act of another, yet another act of terror against mm-hmm. Iran. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we have any any evidence that they've done something like this to us, but we've sure drawn first blood because with American exceptionalism, we can tell other people what they can and can't do. Mm-hmm. Whether you can have a bomb or can't have a bomb, this or that, and everybody shrugs your shoulders. Most Christians it says, so what? Mm-hmm. You know? We're the big guys on the block. Yep. Might makes right. It's it's good to be the baddest guy on the block if mm-hmm. you're a Christian. Yeah, and that's that's what American Christendom is all about. But some of it, well, I would I would we're argue asking that it's not for really it Christian. back. Yeah, we're asking for it back. They're not going to take this setting down. I don't think. Yeah. Well, um, and innocent people will get hurt when when they when they hit back on this end. Well, unfortunately, we've lost our heritage uh, of martyrdom and you know suffering that you see. Every nearly everywhere else in the world, and uh, you know, recorded in Fox's Book of Martyrs, we're the strange, strange bubble. We're it's almost as if you know, referring back to our compost analogy, my compost analogy earlier. You know, unfortunately, just as uh, I think Ignatius said this, um, you know, unfortunately, uh, the Holy Spirit's work is oftentimes watered by the uh, the blood of martyrs. Yeah, and uh, that's completely. Yeah. To void here. I mean, for the most part, martyrdom here means not having to watch as much TV as you'd like. Yeah, yeah right. I didn't get to watch a football game yeah. this afternoon right. or whatever. Yeah, I'm pretty good on the whining end. But, you, you know, um, this is one of those interesting stories where on one hand, I'm relieved that something was done that wasn't, quote, violent. They didn't kill anybody. To a human person. Yeah. So you that weren't we bombing people in villages and stuff. So that part I'm happy about. Mm-hmm. But the fact is, this is Pandora's box that's been opened. Mm-hmm. Because now it's been done on the scale, it's sort of taken away the naughtiness of something like this, this overt. And it pretty much gives carte blanche to anybody to take the same effort and they can point right back at us and say, you know, this is a technique you all use. And that got me thinking about most of the kind of atrocities that we think of, particularly in a war environment or things like that, mm-hmm. that America says they stand against the most. If you look back in history... We were usually one of the original perpetrators of them. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, I was just thinking of like... Um, Fat Man and Little Boy. Well, yeah. The atomic. like us. Yeah. <laughs> so far with you. <laughs> You're not that fat. Uh, but, uh, uh, sorry. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know where that came from. Yeah, thanks, buddy. Yeah. But anyway, uh, uh, I was just thinking about like waterboarding. You know, the Japanese... Where part of their war crimes trials were for waterboarding our soldiers. Yeah, we did that at the before that kind of perfected in the it really in the, the moral massacre in the Philippines. Yeah, in the Philippines, shooting kids that were ten years and older. Part of the time that we were actually encouraging them to go conquer Manchuria and Korea and other places mm-hmm. by treaty, we were doing this. Uh, y- you know, we uh, condemned them in these trials about uh, carpet bombing civilian targets. Mm-hmm. 
guess who took out Dresden? You know, mm-hmm. that's good old us exactly. doing it. Yep. So every time we have these things we complain about, if you look back through history, you'll find maybe not every time, but America is often the one who opened Pandora's box and then cries foul when anybody else looks to do it. Mm-hmm. So I'd say this this taboo has been broken now, and now expect chaos. And people are going to say that you're getting you're getting back your fair share. So yeah, well, give well, us a story. Buddy. Welcome to my world. Um, let me let me continue a little bit with this article. Now we've kind of gotten into the meat of it. Okay. Um, so in the first part that I read, the first mm-hmm. the first part there, we read up on this on this guy named Ionitis and really showed. He sounds like he should head like the guys, the Spartans. Yeah, it's like one of the three hundred. He is Greek. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, that he should have been fighting yeah. in that pass. Mm-hmm. Um. We he he charges that he's the heavy hitter in 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 researching research and says that as much as ninety percent of the published medical information out there is flawed. So uh, let's let me let me sort of pick up here on that. Um, he that is Ionitis uh, here uh, or Ionitis uh, first stumbled on the sorts of problems plaguing the field. He explains as a young physician researcher in the early 1990s at Harvard. At the time, he was interested in diagnosing rare diseases for which a lack of case data can leave doctors with little to go on other than intuition and rules of thumb. But he noticed that doctors seemed to proceed in much the same manner even when it came to cancer, heart disease, and other common ailments. Where were the hard data that would back up their treatment decisions? There was plenty of published research, but much of it was remarkably unscientific based largely on observations of a small number of cases. A new, quote, evidence-based medicine, unquote, movement was just starting to gather force, and Ioannidis decided to throw himself in it, working first with prominent researchers at Tufts University and then taking positions at John Hopkins and the National Institute of Health. He was unusually well-armed. He had been a math prodigy of near-celebrity status in high school in Greece and had followed his parents, who were both physician researchers, into medicine. Now he'd have a chance to combine math and medicine by applying rigorous statistical analysis to what seemed a surprisingly sloppy field. I assumed that everything we physicians did was basically right, but now I was going going to help verify it, he says. All we'd have to do was systematically review the evidence, trust what it told us, and then everything would be perfect. It didn't turn out that way. In poring over medical journals, he was struck by how many findings of all types were refuted by later findings. Of course, medical science never minds are hardly secret, uh, that's in quotes, and they sometimes make headlines as well as as when in recent years large studies of growing consensus of researchers concluded that mammograms, colonoscopies, and PSA tests are far less useful cancer detection tools than we had told, or when widespread prescribed antidepressants such as Prozac, Zoloft, and Paxil were revealed to be no more effective than a placebo for most cases of depression. I didn't hear about that. Sure, a uh, ton of money made off of yep. it in the meantime. Or when we learn that staying out of the sun entirely can actually increase cancer risks. I never heard that either. <laughs> uh, or when we were told that the advice of drink, that the advice to drink lots of water during intense exercise was potentially fatal. Didn't hear about that. Uh, or when last April we were informed that taking fish oil, exercising, and doing puzzles doesn't really help fend off Alzheimer's disease. This is a total crapshoot anymore. As long when you hear stuff in the news. It's like, well, you don't want to be stupid and ignore something that's obvious, but, I mean, there really is, it could be 50-50. 
Yeah. I, well, that's true or not. Well, and, and I would say less or than 50-50 because somebody made somebody's money, somebody making funded. money. Yeah. So, uh, peer-reviewed studies have come to opposite conclusions on whether using cell phones can cause brain cancer, whether sleeping more than eight hours a night is healthful or dangerous, whether taking aspirin every day is more likely to save your life or cut it short, and whether routine angioplasty works better than pills to unclog heart arteries. Hmm. And this is all stuff, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is dogma. Uh, that That's I hear right. coming from exactly. from doctors. Exactly. Um, you know, it's yeah, this whole thing you mentioned the money thing. Mm-hmm. Somebody's bankrolling it. I mean, our whole news is is that mm-hmm. you basically have one set of people, some foundation, paying the quote experts that are fighting for one side in the news yeah. channels. You turn on and the then you TV. You got one set of somebody's paying for that person. You to turn be there. on the TV, and the thing that you need to you need to keep in mind is your fundamental frame of reference. Is that Joker wearing a suit there with the yeah. tie and the pinstripes yeah. and the slick back hair and the the perfectly hair, perfect haircut and mm-hmm. the you know managed yeah. managed do? Um, he didn't get he didn't get a three thousand dollar a day look like that fighting for truth. Mm-hmm. Somebody gave him. You know, gives him a hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year to look like that. Right. And and when they bring in like when when they have a issue and they'll have so and so from the center for blah 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 or this one from the so and so institute, those are basically rich people who are bankrolling those groups to be their party mouse. It's battling rich people mm-hmm. on one side or the next, and they're going at it, and you are just the person they're being pulled back and forth. Mm-hmm. The reason, but, but everybody everybody takes what they're saying as the unvarnished truth. Yeah. Which yeah. is the thing that frustrates me more than anything. Right. And, and and the reason why I bring this up is that this whole thing about the money driving the, quote, truth, mm-hmm. is that, that I've used that somewhat successfully as an argument for people on why to take the Bible seriously. One of my arguments is is that there's no money to be made by it. Hmm. That's you know, interesting. The truth is not there. It doesn't have an agenda with you. Mm-hmm. It's not trying to shake you down so it can sell you something. Mm-hmm. It's been here. There's nobody to make any money. Off of what this message they shouldn't that's in this Bible. Yeah, you can pick it up, and there's nobody has an agenda with you other than to show you what the truth is. And in this society, that's a hard thing to find anymore. It's nearly impossible. Of course, on the other hand, uh, just based on conversations that I've had with people, uh, really sort of outside, outside of the people that I normally hang out with, you know, just people yeah. on the street, I've noticed that. They've, it's it's become increasingly difficult for people to be able to recognize truth. <laughs> That's a good you know, point. Um, the the whole idea when you strip away the veneer, uh, boy, that is really like the darkest of days when people can't even recognize truth when they're confronted with it. Yep. Yeah. Well, you start. Yes. When you start, when you get to the point where you don't value truth, your predecessors yeah. have don't. Back in the 30s and 40s, I hate to take this much time, but back in the 30s and 40s, you can go back and look at like the the fun, you know, the the keynote address that the the lead philosopher at Harvard gave at their philosophy department would mm-hmm. say things like, "Well, in closing, uh, I try I turn to the greatest of all philosophers, Jesus Christ, when he mm-hmm. said da 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 da." And uh, from there, it was a very short. Unfortunately, it was a. There was all this thing happened in about five or ten years where the yeah. people who were teaching, they ended up deciding that there was no truth and looking for truth instead of instead of looking for fulfillment in reason, they looked for it in unreason. The difference was is they didn't they didn't act like that. Yeah. They they said it, but they taught it, but they didn't believe it. Then came along the fifties and sixties, and people were going to the cinema and seeing. How their families were so affected by uh, 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 
they had this incredible lust for personal peace and affluence, more things. Oh, well, whatever's happening over there, I don't need to worry about those people as long as I get my piece of the pie. Mm -hmm. And what ended up happening is, uh, for many reasons, uh, people started saying, well, that's wrong. I know it in my gut. So they started rebelling to it. They started saying, I don't, you know, we have to rebel against these values. And they looked for truth and unreason. Uh, And now you get to the 70s. So they went all around this big circle and ended up at apathy, which is even one step lower. And uh, it's, you know, now you have apathy along with continued drug use, no no fixed set of truth. And so where does that leave you? You've had 20 years of people learning that there is no reliable truth. Mm-hmm. And what do you have? Bread and circuses. You have basically just not even not pleasure, even anymore. It's like pleasures, you know. Well, you know what you need to do. You need to watch more cable television because that will show you what the, that the public wants. It's tough, man. Because you can watch like Jersey Shore. Or one unfortunately, of these things. the place where I store my baseball bats is in my TV. Yeah. Okay. So it's doesn't turn on. Okay. You, what else you got to say there? Because um, we're we're getting late in the show. We've been on two stories. Um, Ioannidis, uh, anyway, I'll, I'll skip down. Ioannidis was shocked at the range and reach of the reversals he see, he was seeing in everyday medical research. Randomized controlled, to- controlled trials, which compared how one group responds to a treatment against how an individual group fares without the treatment, and long been considered nearly unshakable evidence, but they too ended up being wrong some of the time. I realized even our gold standard research had a lot of problems, he says. Baffled, he started looking for the specific ways in which studies were going wrong, and before long he discovered that the range of areas being committed was astonishing, from what questions researchers posed, to how they set up the studies, to which patients they recruited for the studies, to which measurements they took, to how they analyzed the data, to how they presented their results, to how particular studies came to be published in medical journals. Well, that's everything. It's, it's, it's from, yeah. from, from nose to tail. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what, it gets worse, but I'll stop okay. there. All right. I'm left with not believing anything I hear from I, medical. I mean, Dr. I, Bombay would have more accurate advice for me right now. Yeah. Come right away. <laughs> okay, here's something to make us feel better. This is from our sorcery and pharmacia files. Great. Okay. Big pharma? I'm st- I'm sticking. I don't know if I'm going to get down to the, like, the, the stranger fringe stories, but I'm just going with the... Big news ones this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Arizona shooter was on powerful hallucinogens. Uh, this is from Infowars, Steve Watson. It says, with every practically uh, every other high-profile shooting case in recent memory, it appears that the suspect was using psychotropic drugs, substances that significantly alter effect areas of the brain associated with perception, mood, consciousness, cognition, and behavior. While some mainstream media reports have covered the fact that Jared Lofner was, according to people that knew him, obsessed with dreams and alternative realities to the point where he was keeping dream logs and may have begun to literally believe his dreams to be a form of reality. Such reports have yet to make a connection with psychotropics. George Osler, father of Laher's friend, Zach Osler, has stated on record that the uh, that Laher was experimenting with a particular psychotropic drug. The whole thing about the dreaming and the alternate reality, I can see where he can kind of get so absorbed into that that he's not actually living in reality, Osler said in a recent interview with Associated Press. I know he was experimenting with the drug or herb or whatever it is, salvia divinorum, and from what I hear, he used it quite frequently, Osler stated. 
Um, now, are you familiar with salvia? I've just become aware of it, actually. I've asked yeah. some, some people I know, some younger people I know about it, and they're like, yeah, it gets, it's like sold in stores. It's legal in most states. Yeah. Okay, we'll talk about that a little bit more here. Mm-hmm. But the thing to remember is this was the very same drug that Miley Cyrus was using on YouTube. Interesting. Uh, you know, the heartthrob of, you know, young pubescent girls or whatever they call it, you know, she's, her show's popular. Mm-hmm. Um, According to several other readily available reports, several students in Laher's class said he would regularly spontaneously laugh out loud without warning. This is commonly associated with salvia divinorum use. As the video, okay, they have a video that shows how this happens. It says the drug, otherwise known as Sears Sage, like a seer, you know, visionary, mm-hmm. is a disassociative, meaning that it can reduce or block signals to the conscious mind from other parts of the brain. Therefore, it is capable of producing hallucinations, sensory deprivation, disassociation, dreamlike states, and trances. Following the high-profile case of Brett Chittister, a salvia user who committed suicide, the drug was made a Class B misdemeanor in Delaware. However, it is legal in most states in the U.S., as it is not considered addictive. The drug is derived from a plant native to Mexico and has long been used by shamans to induce visions and alter consciousness. These shamans, they just get a lot around in our culture lately, haven't they? Yeah, you know, um, uh, there was a there was an interview that I heard one time uh, of a witch doctor who had uh, lived out in the middle of nowhere and mm-hmm. had come to the Lord. And uh, um, yeah, it's a long story, but I'll just fast forward. They asked him. I said, "Well, what did what did you see? What are those spirits doing now that you used to take drugs yeah. and interact with?" He said, "They all told me they were coming here." And. Uh, you know, there was like a chill in the audience when he said that. I didn't get a chance to talk with him much, but hmm. that was like pretty. Huh. Well, maybe they're here. It says uh, um, opinions are divided on the long-term effects of the drug and how dangerous it can be. However, it has been banned by various branches of the U.S. military and some military bases. This revelation puts into context Lawhers' apparent Lawners' uh, apparent obsession with mind control and a deep interest in the spiritual occult. I don't know, have you seen his little occult uh, altar that he had built up at home? I did see a picture home? of it, yes. Yeah. In a report in the New York Times today, another of Lofner's friends, Zane Gutierrez, describes the shooters being mesmerized with the possible meanings of dreams and their importance. Jared felt nothing existed but his subconscious, Mr. Gutierrez says. Hmm. The real dream world was, was real to Jared, not the day-to-day of our lives. Gutierrez said that Lofner had used the word hollow to describe how fake the real world was to him. He would ask me constantly, do you see that blue tree over there? He would admit to seeing the sky is orange and the grass is blue. Normal people don't talk about that stuff. He was a nihilist, and he loved causing chaos, and that is probably why he did the shooting, along with the fact he was sick in the head, Gutierrez added. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always a possibility we could overanalyze people who are just mentally disturbed and try to draw something to support all of our individual theses. But more and more stories you've got to have noticed involve these kind of substances. Mm-hmm. And you know what? None of the drug laws protected anybody from that. No. Well, the- you know what? You know what Brother Terry sent me? He sent me something about something. I don't know if it's called P2 or something like that. Um, Brother Terry up uh, up in, uh, Terry T. in Fort Worth. Yeah. Fort Worth. Fort Wayne. Fort Wayne. Uh, he better be at the politics of religion. He's going to be there. He's, there. he's going to be there just on his show. Sonny. He oh, wants okay. you on, by the way. Oh, my gosh. He wants you on, Is he taking on his Sunday show. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I forgot that. I think it's something like that. But anyway, yeah. it is an incense 
that you can buy like at a gas station or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so they've taken this, it's like potpourri, mm-hmm. and people have started smoking it. And now they're smoking it and talking to spirits and doing different kind of stuff and things like that. So so the point I'm making is that you can be making laws all day long, and people will be grabbing incense or glue or something mm-hmm. like that and doing stuff. You know? Wow. If if the mind wants to run away and escape from reality, mm-hmm. it's going to find a way to do it. Yeah. Even if it means spinning around on spinning around until you fall down in your own Well, know? It's, you know, that's what the whirling dervishes did. Yeah. They said they saw spirits when they did it. Yeah. Usually I was like, have ectoplasm come out yeah. of me when Gravity's I Gravity's rainbow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, one more, two. I know I keep hitting this, but it just gets worse. Um, there, there's this has struck you this story. It's well, I mean, it's it's something that I felt in my gut for a long time, and now yeah. it's like boom. Okay. Pay dirt. Um, he, this is Ionitis, mm-hmm. uh, chose to publish one paper fittingly in the online journal PLOS Medicine, which is committed to running any methodologically sound article without regard to how interesting, quote unquote, the research may be. In the paper, Ionitis laid out a detailed mathematical proof that assuming modest levels of researcher bias, typically imperfect research techniques, and the well-known tendency to focus on exciting rather than highly plausible theories, researchers will come up with wrong findings most of the time. Hmm. Simply put, if you're attached to the ideas that have a good chance of being wrong and you're motivated to prove them right, and if you have a little wiggle room on how you assemble the evidence... Uh, you'll probably succeed in proving wrong theories right. His model predicted in different fields of medical researchers research rates of wrongness roughly corresponding to the observed rates at which findings were later convincingly refuted. 80% of non-randomized studies uh, turn out to be wrong, as do 25% of supposedly gold standard randomized trials and as much as 10% of the platinum standard large randomized trials. Now, those things cost a fortune to run, and those all come back in the price we pay for drugs, right? Mm-hmm. That's why right. they're outrageous. Um, the article spelled out his belief that researchers were frequently manipulating data analysis, chasing career-advancing findings rather than good science, and even using the peer review process in which journals ask researchers to help decide which studies to publish to suppress opposing views, which we saw yeah. abundantly with the uh, East Anglia Emails, you know, they were saying, we have to get this guy. we got to wreck his career and stuff, you know, in private emails. And we buy that kind of stuff a lot of times. We read stuff, Mm -hmm. and we we don't know that it was a hit piece funded Mm -hmm. by somebody like that. You can question, this is is Doug Altman, you can question some of the details of John's calculations, but it's hard to argue that the essential ideas aren't absolutely correct, said Doug Altman, an Oxford University researcher who directs the Center for Statistics and Medicine. So... Another, like, one heavy hitter saying, yeah, this guy's, this other heavy hitter's really a heavy hitter. Um, still, Ionitis anticipated that the community might shrug off his findings. Sure, a lot of dubious research makes it into journals, but we researchers and physicians know to ignore it and focus on the good stuff. So what's the big deal? The other paper headed off. Well, this was stuff that's supposed to be peer-reviewed. Uh-huh. I mean, I've dealt in that world. I've dealt in publishing scientific stuff. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to have gone through peer review where they're supposed to get all that out or it should never have gone to any journal to begin with. Ding. Uh, the other paper headed off that claim. He zoomed in on 49 of the most highly regarded research findings in medicine over the previous 13 years as judged by the science community's two standard measures. Uh, the papers... Uh, uh, the papers had appeared in the journals most widely cited in research articles, and the 49 articles themselves were the most widely cited articles in these journals. 
So it's it's you know like if you were going to make a structural analogy, mm-hmm. it's like they're the cornerstones. They're the bolts yeah. holding the I beams up. Most sided. Yeah. Uh, these were articles that helped lead to the widespread popularity of treatments such as the use of hormone replacement therapy for menopausal women, vitamin E to reduce the risk of heart disease, coronary stents to ward off heart attacks, and daily low-dose aspirin to control blood pressure and prevent heart attacks and strokes. Dogma in yeah. our in our medical the, the medical stuff that they're telling you. Not necessarily in my world, but nobody listens to me. Uh, Ioannidis was putting his contentions to the test not against run-of-the-mill research or even merely well-accepted research, but against the absolute tip of the research pyramid. Hmm. Of the 49 articles, 45 claimed to have uncovered effective interventions. 34 of these claims had been had been retested, and 14 of these, or 41%, had convincingly shown had been convincingly shown to be wrong or significantly exaggerated. Hmm. Um, if between a third and a half of the most acclaimed research in medicine was proved untrustworthy, the scope and impact of the problem were undeniable. Hmm. I mean, boom, wow. there you have it. So, Yeah, you've already ruined it for me before then. I can't really trust you. You know, I'm now questioning about uh, dentine gum, you know, from the four out of five dentists recommended. Well, I'll tell you what, go gum. down there and look what's in it. I can point point out four or five things that you don't want in your body. People, yeah, people, now they're gonna sue us. Yeah, good thing nobody listens to us. Yeah, well, people always often give me like, you want some gum? Yeah, and it's like just no. And they're like, why not? I, I had a funny conversation with somebody. They were talking to me yeah. about. Uh, they were they were telling me like, well, I try to eat, I try to eat good and you know exercise. It was mm-hmm. it was a gen- it was a gentleman with some severe. Mm-hmm. Um, severe health problems, you yeah. know. And uh, and he gets some gum out and he hands it to me. You want some gum? I said, No, I'll tell you what, man. The stuff they put in that, and I rattled off four chemicals. Yeah. I said that's really tough. And he looked at it. He says, uh, I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> Starts <laughs> eating it. <laughs> and then he says, He yeah. and, and and then he yeah. he started talking about. He said, You know, uh, those those diet not the diet drinks, but the stuff that you drink when you're working out. The the um, uh, creatine-based drinks and stuff, yeah. and he started telling me about how he didn't trust those. Yeah. And I said, well, you don't even have to look as far as these manufactured drinks. You can look at what they put in your own water. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, uh, l- listed off a few other things that they put in water. Yeah. And why you should really focus on drinking water, filtered water. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, I've been drinking... <laughs> I've been drinking tap water my whole life, and it hasn't hurt me. <laughs> and it's like, man, you're like, you're like on your deathbed. Yeah. You are not, yeah. you that you want to talk about like a false positive. Well, maybe you know? he didn't believe your studies. It was like just that other data you were citing. Maybe he felt like yeah. you were just also other erroneous data you were forwarding. Yeah, I'm sure. It makes me want to just go out and eat like sacks of White Castles because the data is, I'm sure, wrong, and it shows that there's any issue with that. Well, one of the things I've noticed is that once you get your body kind of all cleaned out, yeah, when you you can notice how your body reacts to certain things, yeah, you know, like, um, you know, I take I I try and watch what I eat. Well, not lately, mm-hmm. but um, I have a hard time with it when it's cold. That's another story. I've noticed when I'm when I'm like really watching what I eat. Yeah. If I have something by mistake with a lot of soybean in it, mm-hmm. I know it. And mm-hmm. another thing, if I eat and it's got a lot of uh, high fructose corn syrup in it, yeah. I know it. 
Yeah. I, I could tell you exactly what happens when I have too much soybean oil. Would it be better than if I didn't get myself cleaned out so I could enjoy a White Castle now and then or things like that and it wouldn't bother what you, me? What do you think? Well, I don't know. I don't believe any of those studies anymore. Now. <laughs> if I get, can I change the topic a little bit here? Sure. Okay. I, I, I'm sorry I had to hammer on that, but I, that, is just sub, that is just so... Yeah, you just like, pulled a stool out from under us. Yep. Okay, this is another one. I, you know, I'm, I'm talking mainstream stuff this week. I got mm-hmm. stuff that you had to dig for below, but we've got, we've jawed so long on the other ones that yeah. I don't know if I've got like it. ten. Uh, the ECB but, allows the Irish Central Bank to counterfeit fifty one billion. You know, I mean, there you are with your uh, economic story. So yeah. let me just go ahead. This is one that people probably sniffed on, heard a little bit about. Rick Warren hosts cult celebrity doctors, features promoters of Eastern mysticism and universalism. This was now just to be fair. This is a uh, a news source that we have criticized some of them at time. World Net Daily, mm-hmm. okay, so World Net Daily out this week. Rick Warren uh, leads a global summit on AIDS in the church at his. Uh, see, excuse me. When megachurch pastor Rick Warren decided he needed to take himself seriously, he responded in typically ambitious fashion, launching a year-long health program for his church. The Daniel Plan, written with the help of three celebrity doctors who will appear at a kickoff seminar today. But critics point out the physicians who crafted the program apparently don't share the church's professed evangelical beliefs, espousing instead various forms of Eastern mysticism and the tenets of a Christian cult, Swedenborgianism. Whoa. Yeah, vowing to lose 90 pounds, uh, Warren said he placed himself under the care of Dr. Mamet Oz, Daniel Amen, and Mark Hyman last fall, and worked with each to develop the Daniel plan. You know, it's interesting, and I don't mean this comment itself just to criticize Rick, but Rick has so much money and resources that if he wants to do something, he just doesn't go lose weight. He's like Oprah. He can go get three big-name guys to do the best yeah. custom thing and then figures, hey, I can figure out how to make some more money off of this, how to come up with some other kind of plan. You know what my feeling is, is that uh, if he got serious about fasting for the poor and the needy, yeah, he suddenly wouldn't have so many health problems, you know. Well, twenty-one you know, day it, it fast. It like he does care about the poor and the needy. I mean, he, well, it's so much so that he's you know hired Mehmet Oz to be his personal trainer or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I can I can see where that's a good use of the Lord's Bill money. Gates, you know, to yeah, sterilize people. Yeah, you know, you know they were putting that. You know. Anyway, let me proceed. Oz, host it. of the Emmy-winning Doctor Oz show and professor of surgery at Columbia University, says he's inspired by Emanuel Swedenborg, an 18th century cult founder who taught that all religions lead to God and denied orthodox Christian beliefs. Wait, who is this? Swedenborg. No, no, but who's inspired by Dr. Oz. Oh, yes. Uh, and denied orthodox Christian beliefs such as the atonement of Christ for sin, the Trinity, and the deity of the Holy Spirit. Best-selling author Amen, a professor of psychiatry at the University of California at Irvine, teaches Eastern religious meditation and the New Age energy-based practice of Reiki. Is it Reiki? Reiki. Or Reiki. 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 Okay. Hyman, a four-time New York Times best-selling author. Okay, that's two strikes against these three guys. Best-selling author promotes mystical meditation based on Buddhist principles. Steve McConkie, who directs a website called Christian Investigator, called it troubling for a top pastor in the United States to promote false teachers. We are living at an all-time low spiritually in the United States with weak leaders, he said. 
Saddleback staff did not respond to a WorldNet Daily request for comment. McConkie pointed out the followers of what is called Swedenborgianism believe all religions lead to God and that Christianity must go through a rebirth. The group also denies the existence of a personal devil and believes the Bible is not inspired. When people die, the followers believe that they become an angel or an evil spirit. Emanuel Swedenborg said he had a vision in 1745 in which he saw creatures crawling on walls. He asserted God then appeared to him as a man and told him to promote the new teaching to the world. Uh, Warren plans to have a one-on-one discussion with Amen and Hyman at the summit today, uh, which runs from 8.30 to 12.30 at Saddleback Church. Uh, the summit will be live-streamed on Saddleback's website. The church says all of its more than 5,000 small groups will go through the Daniel plan. So they're pretty much enforcing this through all of the people there. Okay, which is part of Saddleback's Decade of Destiny, a 10-year plan launched this month to help individuals succeed and be uh, who God designed them to be in every aspect of life. Warren, author of the best-selling Purpose Driven Life, said he's honored to be partnering with these internationally distinguished health experts. God says health is important, and that's what we want to explore, Warren said. He said that many Americans who resolve each year to lose weight and get fit have to have the right motivation if they want to succeed. We hope to provide encouragement based on biblical principles to help people make the real lifestyle change for better health. You know, that motive in itself is not bad. That's not a bad sure. thing for us all to get our act it, together. It's, it's, it's uh, well, Dr. Ioannidis would say the problem is, is you're, you're, you're making A does not equal B. Yeah. You know, right. you're making, drawing false conclusions. Right. The 52 week Daniel plan, according to Settleback, is based upon the biblical account of Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know, everybody loves these kind of plans. 40 day, this or that, 52 week, that mm-hmm. or whatever. It's like a mantra that everybody puts into. Um, uh, it says, Daniel's three colleagues ate a 10-day diet of vegetables and water that made them healthier and better nourished than others. He says, I grew up in a home where the dinner table was the centerpiece of our existence, Warren said. Never paid much attention to my health. It was never important to me. Uh, he says, earlier this year I had a moment of clarity and realized we all need to make a change, and I can't help anyone if I don't start with me. You know, and Did an angel of light come down and tell him that? Or? I, don't, I don't know. Well, I hope he doesn't say uh, don't eat meat because that's a doctrine of demons, according to the Bible, if you... Don't eat meat, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, or, or, you know, refuse people to get married. Uh, it says uh, in the uh, uh, participants will be able to set up their own interactive online profile via the church's website to gather them to the plan and keep a record of health improvements. Um, so, anyway, I find it very interesting that, you know, I have tried, I have tried to give grace. Of course, he doesn't care about what I think. I mean, why would no. he? But I have tried to give grace on him and try to put myself in his shoes and realize that a lot of criticism is probably disguised envy of him because he's been successful. Not all, but some of it. Yeah. Uh, where people don't, and then they, they will pick apart little tiny things. They don't look mm-hmm. at most. I have given him every possibility of grace. But of all of the doctors we have in the world, you have to pick three doctors out of three who are actively promoting this teaching. Sure. Is there, I mean, he knows he's under a microscope. Can he do any other discernment? Or is that sort of like how it is being a celebrity in Hollywood where it's like you're in La La Land. You can't even, you know, you end up like Michael Jackson. You can't even think about things logically like average people because you're handlers. Or Well, um, my opinion is that uh, when God revealed himself, um, you know, in the Old Testament, one of the things was is, 
uh, God said, you can't see my face, but you can see where I was. And, you know, then there was like, first there was an earthquake, then there was a fire, and then there was this, and then there was that. And then God, after all of that, God was in that still, sm- yeah. in that small voice. In a whisper. Yeah. Um, I, I'm sorry, I can't quote it mm-hmm. verbatim. I'm horrible at memorizing Bible verses, but it seems to me every single person that I meet and know and have read about historically, um, uh, today, in the past, in the far past, they were nothing, or they were something, and then God got a hold of them and made them nothing, mm-hmm. only to rebuild them, you know, yeah. at the end of their days or perhaps even after their death. Right. <clears throat> you know, Paul of Tarsus was looked at um, roundly as, you know, <laughs> he was looked at as as some guy who had went completely out of his skull by all mm-hmm. of his contemporaries. And they all whispered, he's completely out of his mind. Yeah. It's only now that we look back at his life and go, as Paul. He was Man, shrouded in controversy his whole life, too. Yeah. Even amongst believers. He was, and he was going to jail all the time. And mm-hmm. he was, he got, yeah. you know, he got stoned and um, yeah. stone, almost stoned to death. Yeah, how do you tie that back to this, to, to Rick Warren? <clears throat> how many times has Rick Warren went to prison for anything? How many times has he went to prison for the gospel? How many times do you see... Well, that's true for a lot of Christians, to be fair. Sure. But my opinion is that, my, I guess what I'm saying, let me boil it down to one sentence. Um, we have got, we've become a nation of, of professionally spiritual people. You know, as somebody yeah. like myself in the ministry and, you know, mm-hmm. you as well, really, with, you know, Future Quake um, and just all the stuff that you do, you know, you're full time, full time in ministry. Yeah, but can't keep a real job. Yeah, well, <laughs> sometimes I wonder about that myself. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, to me, not you. Mm-hmm. Oh, that came out wrong. No, I understand. <laughs> you can Freudian slip, they call <laughs> They call that. You can edit that out, right? Yeah. Um, the point is, is that it's... How many people do you know that are rich and saying, I have need of nothing, that are really doing God's work? There are some people who think they are. You know, philanthropists and people like that, and they're active in their church, and they're. And I'm not saying everybody. I'm not saying everybody who's well to do, but there are not people who are coming out and saying, man, I'm well to do, I've got need of nothing, Um, I've just got all of these great things, I can throw money at whatever I want. Mm-hmm. Um, I I fail to see how that lines up, both biblically or historically, with what I see with the apostles, what I see with Paul, what I see with, um, what in I see fact, with Jesus. Our culture's gone so far is that, particularly if you're in ministry, if you are wealthy and successful, that is a sign of God's blessing. Yeah, I know. In other words, that's, that's a sign that God gave it to you. Because and you know he's endorsing You know it. what's scary? And the counter is, is that if you're not, if you have a struggling ministry, well, then you know. You know, and you it's know like what's, the Pharisees saying, "Who's yeah. saying this manner is, you know?" Yeah, you know what's scary yeah. is is the Pharisees. Here's here's how here's how I look at here's how. Gosh, do we have two hours? No, we got like about four, nine minutes. Nine, nine minutes. Here's how I tend to look at things in the Bible. Um, you know, things the the kingdom of God. You know, God said the kingdom is now and. Um, when when John the Baptist was questioned about who he was, he says, "I'm not John the Baptist." But Jesus says, "He is John the Baptist if, if you're willing to or Elijah." Accept it. Elijah, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, you, I'm sorry. You're Thank not you. good at memorizing that stuff. I'm, I'm not the Baptist. Two Elijah. plus two equals five. Elijah, Isaiah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, just kidding. 
Uh, well, no, it's true. I made a ridiculous Freudian slip in front of hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah, millions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, the point, the, I, let me fast forward to the point. You see a lot of times they talk about different cities and stuff being really of the same spirit. You see John the Baptist being of the spirit of Elijah, if you're willing to mm-hmm. accept it. Um, and I tend to see... Uh, I tend to see that same sort of idea coming through in in the lives of in the lives of people and in the church throughout the history, you know, throughout history. And this is no exception. You know, you didn't see a bunch of rich apostles going, "Yeah, we've got need of nothing." Woohoo! Yeah. yeah. Um they didn't have like their world ministry center, you mean? That's what I mean. And they're like a big globe out front. I see I see when I see Most of them like got impaled and stuff like that, wasn't mm-hmm. it? Mostly. When I see in game <laughs> when I see see ministers of the gospel, I see people who are just brokenhearted for the poor and the needy, uh, but know that Jesus went to them first, and all they're doing is just batting cleanup. You yeah. know, yeah. It, it's it's not you walking into the front door there, like you know, mm-hmm. you're you're stepping in, but just behind Jesus to mm-hmm. go and and you know, if Rick Warren was here, he would say, "Look, I've got all these other ministries going to help kids with AIDS in Africa, and mm-hmm. you know, I'm sending people over to take care of these kind of things and stuff." He'd say, I am directing that, but he's sort of like a field marshal doing it. Maybe. I don't know. Um, that's what that's what we're led to believe, but then you see all this other crazy stuff. Yeah. You don't add to the gospel. You yeah. just go out and do it. You don't course, add, You do not do those things that go, look at me, everybody, look at me in the market. I left a su- flagship Southern Baptist church here to come to our church now mm-hmm. because, well, after the fact, he was actually using samurai swords, the lead pastor. <laughs> With the men of the I know church, you told me about that. Yeah, doing martial arts moves. Yeah, so you know, it. I guess it's around a lot of places. I guess what I'd say, you know, not in God's got to, His people where He's got His people. We were talking mm-hmm. off, you know, by means by way of encouraging. You know, I was sharing mm-hmm. some of that stuff with you. You know, God's got His people where He's got His people. He doesn't need. You know, you often say it, but it's easy to fall back into mm-hmm. like thinking all sorts of different ways, but. God doesn't need me. He doesn't need my money. He yeah. doesn't need whatever I'm doing. I'm just responsible for serving him the best way I know how. And that's going to be different and for everybody. And he invites us to join him, like yeah. Henry Blackaby says. I was going to say, you're sounding like Henry Blackaby. Yeah, you can join in, and you can then you it. have that crisis of faith. Mm-hmm. And you can step out on that. And yeah. We've got just a few minutes. you got something quick to share? About six minutes. Here's an uplifting one. Uh, European Central Bank allows Irish Central Bank to counter, counterfeit 51 billion euros. Ireland Central Bank counterfeited 51 billion euros out of thin air. The amount is not backed by government bonds, nor was it as lo- nor was it a loan from the ECB or anyone else. The money is counterfeited in every sense of the world. Please consider the facts as depicted in Central Bank steps up its cash support to Irish banks financing, financed by institutions printing on money. Um, this is a news article that's cited mm-hmm. by another news article. The Irish Independent learned last night that the Central Bank of Ireland is financing $51 billion of an emergency loan program by printing its own money. The figures also provide the latest evidence that responsibility for funding Ireland's broken bank is being pushed increasingly back on to Irish taxpayers. The loans are recorded by the Irish Central Bank under the heading Other Assets. Mm-hmm. I like those headings. A spokesman for the ECB said the Irish Central Bank is itself is itself creating this 
creating the money it is lending to banks, not borrowing cash from the ECB to fund the payments. The ECB spokesman said the Irish Central Bank can create its own funds if it, is deem- if it deems it appropriate, as long as the ECB is notified. Um, other assets? What other assets? It's okay to print money as long as the ECB is notified? Excuse me, but this is in direct violation of every EU treaty. Besides, counterfeiting is a crime everywhere. There are no, quote, other assets, unquote, in play. The bookkeeping is fictitious. This printing is not backed by bonds. No one in their right mind would buy such bonds. The Irish Central Bank simply counterfeited 51 billion euros out of thin air and distributed the money to Irish banks. Currently, there is talk about the need to expand the size of the 440 billion bailout fund. There is little ex- this little exercise has me wondering, why expand anything? Let's solve the problem by letting Greece print euros, Italy print euros, Spain print euros, Portugal print euros, and Belgium print euros. That's funny because that makes me think of like when you go to Europe, you know, they've got all those euros. It's like they are minted by ECB banks, but in other countries. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at the euro and it's like an Irish euro. It's got like St. Patrick on it. And the, I didn't notice that. I didn't know that they had yeah, it's like, little regional yeah. changes. Uh, yeah. it, it's, it's, you're, it's, it's minted by them and backed by whatever it's backed yeah. by. But it's, it sounds like they're going to have the same thing as when I used to go to Russia on business. Mm-hmm. Every time I went back, the ruble was worth exactly half of what it was from the time I went, like months prior. Sweet. As long as you are counterfeiting, and as long as the ECB doesn't mind, why not have every country print enough euros to pay back all European sovereign debt? Every country can be debt-free in seconds. I hope everyone understands my sarcasm. Uh, this is Mish, by the way. Okay. Um, this is an amazingly sipper, slippery slope, and I am surprised Germany is not screaming bloody murder over it. Um, our buddy Ambrose Evan Pritchers wrote some stuff on it. Um, mm. Do you have well, a quick story? Should well, I Well, let me just say something real quick mm-hmm. uh, in the last three minutes. Um, uh, just to let you know, that this is another World Net Daily story. Uh, in Montana, uh, the lawmakers have a... By the way, they came up with the idea that guns made, sold, and kept in the borders are exempt from federal regulations Uh and made that law. Is now considering a new weapon that would be used to cancel much of the authority of federal agents over its residents. A new legislative proposal would declare that the state's local county sheriff are the preeminent law enforcement authority in their jurisdiction, and federal agents such as those working for the IRS, Mm -hmm. uh, FBI, DEA, ATF, and others would be required to get permission from them before they could take any action. Ooh, boy, that reminded me of something I found out to just today. What's that? I hate to blow your story, but uh, Portland yeah, Portland uh, backed away five years ago of being uh, having a charter with the FBI Terrorism Task Force. Portland, Oregon? Yeah. Okay. same The same locale where they found that uh, that bomber who they set up a while ago. Okay. The, and, and, and the meeting was just today, and it was packed with people who were scared about the bomber saying we need to, you know, become part of the uh, mm. host city of the FBI Joint Task Force again. So they staged something there to strong arm them back. It Did certainly seems right? like you could draw that one of those conclusions. I'll bet Ionitis probably could. Like they do terrorism in general for us to get us yeah. back in line as the yeah, public behind stuff. Yep. Well, uh, let me just uh, say in closure here, uh, it says uh, what what they're trying to do is that is a requirement federal agents must work through and get permission from sheriffs before taking any action to arrest anyone, seize any object, or search anywhere. Uh, includes a promise of consequences if that is not followed. An arrest, search, or seizure, or an attempted arrest, search, or seizure in violation uh, of Section 2 is unlawful, and persons involved must be prosecuted by the county attorney for kidnapping. A government wow. employee 
if arrest or attempted arrest occurred, for trespass if a search or attempted search occurred, or theft if a seizure or seizure occurred, and for any applicable homicide offense if loss of life. Uh, the persons involved must also be charged with any other applicable critical offense in Title 45. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, I hope that goes through. But in closing uh, for this, I just want to say these are people who aren't just whining about how bad the world is. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes maybe we come across as being. This is really terrible. You know, we try to tell people, grab one of these issues, make it your own, do something. Yeah. These guys are doing something about it. In Montana, they're doing it. And you can understand why people like Chuck Ball and moved to Montana. Mm-hmm. They're actually protecting their local law enforcement people and saying mm-hmm. the sheriff is the time-honored, long-term tradition of being the ultimate local law enforcement, and feds don't trump them. And they're making it law, and they're backing the law for it. <laughs> and uh, pray for those people. Pray for those people in Montana. They did the other thing with the other laws, and it spread across the country. Maybe this will help. There'll probably be a raid of Montana one day, and mm-hmm. they'll probably take out Chuck Baldwin and other people with it. So, Well, yeah. You know. We got to go to the uh, um, listener emails. emails. Listener mm-hmm. emails. Futurian emails. Futurian forum. Whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it. Okay. That all right? Hit it. Okay. We're working our way through uh, early December, mm-hmm. catching up with the current now. This is uh, from one longshoreman, Johnny. Um, a lot of emails on the show with uh, the ayahuasca guy, Fishers and Men. Yeah. Uh, this one, Longshoreman Johnny says, uh, by the way, he hosts the Iron Show. Is it ironshow.com? Yep. Uh, I heard one where he had a sort of a white supremacist guy he was on with. Whoa. And that was an interesting show. Um, you know, he, he, uh, he had a show sort of like our ayahuasca show. You, you uh-huh. have to listen to the whole thing, but I recommend it. He says, uh, only about halfway through the Shaman Christian show, 236, he says, one thing that caught my attention was I was thinking that you may not be aware of. He says, when he was talking about how people in the group were communicating via ESP, did you know that there are a few cutting-edge scientists and researchers that maintain that ESP communication is the primitive form of communication that the animal kingdom makes use of and that language, speech, and text-based communication is a much higher form of communication? Which may seem a little counterintuitive, but really isn't when you take some time to ponder it. And then think of all the other primitive emotions and thoughts that went through the group. And it seems like the drugs and the spirits are not taking the group forward to enlightenment, but backwards into darkness. Hmm. Just wanted Devolution. to share drug. Yeah. That's a pretty interesting thought Johnny has there. Yeah. That, that uh, ESP, it actually would be a degraded form of communication because animals and other kind of ones, they say, have it. Hmm. Whereas our writing, you know, developing our thoughts and put them in written communicated form. Those kind of things are actually a higher level order of thinking. So they're making them more primitive mm-hmm. in base. Animalistic, you could say. Interesting. I think that's an interesting perspective that yeah. Johnny has. And another reason you should listen to Iron Show. Mm-hmm. Just put on your seatbelt when you do. Yep. Okay. Um, this is Brother Robert. Um uh, Brother Robert uh, emails us and says, uh, says, I was just listening to the most recent episode of Future Quake. I'd like to add my two cents. He says, I really love the Future Quake show, and at first I was waiting for the shoe to drop and announcement the Future Quake would be no more. This is back when you know we were going off, mm-hmm. you know. Thankfully, that didn't happen, so I'm very relieved. As far as the future goes, I really like the idea of doing a mostly new show with guest interviews on a regular monthly basis. 
That's encouraging to hear. Good. Yeah. Uh, this way, your listeners will get the best of both worlds, news and insightful analysis of Futures News by you and Tom, as well as guest interviews. I really enjoy your guest interviews, and I'd hate to see that aspect of the show go away. It seems as though your guest interviews take pride in continually shattering another aspect of my paradigm. Well, ours, too. Yeah. Uh, it seems like almost every other guest interview reveals another falsehood in the worldview we've been taught all our lives. It's a great service that you and Tom are doing for the Christian community in exposing these truths. Also, on a personal note, I've been very touched by your recent commentaries on various topics. It is totally clear to me that you are a true Christian and your message to love others is totally heartfelt. It's convicted me that I need to work harder to be more like our Lord and Savior. Thank you. Uh, once again, I want to encourage and thank both you and Tom for all the work you do in exposing the enemy and his works, as well as preaching the word to those who listen. Mm-hmm. Thanks again, and God bless you both. I'll keep you in my prayers and ask the Lord to let you guys know what he wants future Quake version 2.0 to look like. There you go. So, anyway. Oh, that was really... Actually, I guess technically it's probably almost like 3.0 or something since can't be RFN days, but got the point. And uh, Brother Bob, that was a really encouraging word for yeah. you and me both. Yeah, man. And uh, It's totally cool. It's, it's a good break from the hate mail. Yeah. You know what's cool is that, uh, I don't know what made me think of this. Maybe maybe it's completely, I'm free associating here, but mm-hmm. you, one it could thing. could be a bit of undercooked potato. It could be. One thing that I've noticed about God and the way he moves, it's like in a way that's totally, um, totally different totally different like breaking outside of the bonds breaking outside of category busting mm-hmm. it's like kaboom wow i didn't even know there was a wall there i just assumed that he couldn't go that way and he just broke right through it mm-hmm. as a way of pointing back to himself as divinity and uh i don't know what made me think of it but yeah i don't know what makes sorry but that's interesting you know just walking behind somebody like robert hyde you see a lot of those walls break down yeah you know that's all those, those big forearms. Just follow the big, long beard. Yeah. You can follow him right through it. Uh, this is from my brother Jeff. Um, he says, uh, he says, Hi, Dr. Future and Tom Bionic. I'd like to start by uh, saying thank you for all of the thankless work you do. You've been a great inspiration to me as well as many others. I came across your show a few months ago on iTunes while I was looking for interviews with Michael Heiser and Chris Pinto. Ever since, I've been trying to catch up to all your shows in the archives. Anyhow, I just listened to the show you did a few weeks ago, which was strictly Tomorrow's Tremors. I heard you two talking about the Rothschild family and how much money they have, gold in particular. I am attaching a paper, which I wrote about a year and a half ago, which deals with the Rothschilds and the mineral revolution in South Africa. And he suggests we uh, give it a read. He says, I would thank, again, like to thank you for all you do, and I'm praying for the future, future quake, and that God's will be done in whatever you two are doing next. Sweet. So I hope you're still listening there and uh, find something of some worthwhile. There you go. Lots of Chris Pinto stuff. Um, Okay, here's one who's an occasional emailer Triumph, the insult comic dog. What? Uh, Triumph, the insult comic dog. Have you ever seen Triumph on TV? Uh, well, it's kind of hard to see with the the ball bat in the. the yeah, screen. that's true. Forgot about that. Yeah, you'd have to like have an ayahuasca quest to see yeah. some of that. Yeah. Uh, Triumph says, um, "You'll probably get more li- regular listeners if you uploaded each segment on the day of instead of one long program on Friday." 
Tom, Tom Paine liked to talk from both sides of his mouth in regards to his book and his thoughts about America being a safe, safe haven. Thanks for challenging him. Wanted more commentary about the ayahuasca shamanism from you and Tom. Almost came off as you two agreeing with him the whole time. Great shows as always. Well, I'll let him go too long, eight into our time. But I, I did suggest that he may be demon-possessed. I wouldn't think that would be like agreeing with somebody too you know much. What, like I, I've made this point before, but what I'm fascinated is that if we haven't, if you haven't dogmatically tried to shout somebody down, somehow people will think that you've agreed with him. Yeah. Or agree with people in general. I guess I just every time I hear an, an yeah, opinion, yeah, because we've heard that a lot of yeah, number of times. Every people. time I hear yeah. a, an opinion at church from now on, I'm going to just try and shout them down. <laughs> Somebody, you know, no, you're not going to do that. Yeah, some some evil person, some here. minor point about you know, uh, I don't know yeah. eschatology or something that's totally not at all clear. I'm just yeah. going to start railing on this them. This was in the a friend of, of ours. <laughs> this was a friend of ours saying this, yeah. so. No, we, we appreciate your comments. We appreciate your comments. We've been joined by uh, by Pyros, just joined us in the studio. Welcome Our to have you here. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Speaking of comment <laughs> dogs, get how'd up you, here. How'd you get in here? Get up here, Pyro Bennett. Okay. There you go. Uh, Alice. Mm-hmm. You you remember Alice? You mm-hmm. know we go ask her when you she's ten feet tall. Oh, I thought she had a restaurant. That's true. Okay, uh, this is another uh, um, visit from Alice. It says. Uh, Dear brother, I finished listening to your show with Tom Payne. As always, your content and preparation was outstanding. I download your programs to my iPad so I listen at my convenience. Um, I'm sure that your past radio listeners will do the same. God has now given you a new door, as you had mentioned on air, of more freedom. I'm looking forward to your new format with Tom. As Tom Payne was ex- explaining the cycles of history, it reminds me how coincidental of your new cycle without radio. Now, this is, is this coincidental or our confirmation? God mm-hmm. bless you and Tom. That is interesting because that was the last show we had on WNL mm-hmm. was with Tom Payne. Yeah. Thank you for helping me be more informed. And that's from Alice. Oh, thanks, Alice. Thank you, sister. I sure appreciate that. And keep emailing, okay? We love you and appreciate mm-hmm. you out there. Uh, i got a few more here coming. This is from Kathleen. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um how I hate Tom Bionic. <laughs> well, that's a different stack. That's that tall <laughs> that's stack that big over stack here. Yeah. The back, yeah. um, regarding podcast, uh, Kathleen says, "Hi, I just discovered your website. And I'm so interested in your topics that I downloaded a bunch of his podcasts while I'm listening to on my iPhone. Oh. This is like commercials for uh, mm-hmm. Apple. Uh, we sold seven million iPhones this year, really? or this quarter. I saw it on TV just yeah. before I left. Well, not mine, yeah. but at work." My cell phone has Roman numerals on it, so uh, I know you're not a tech site, but but I'm new to listening to podcasts and wonder if you could answer a question. Um, It says the recordings sound fine if I listen to them on a computer, but when I listen to them on my iPhone, they sound horribly like you're underwater. Um, uh, It happens when I use earphones or not. Do you have suggestions? Hmm. Um, Anyway, I just wanted to mention to you all that... um, um, we have we put a lower fidelity format online mm-hmm. for several reasons. One is we have some people who still use dial-up, and they can actually stream our shows. It's that small file size. It takes up less memory. Normally, we don't have issues, but sometimes certain equipment. I'm thinking about, and if you all want to email me, let me know your thoughts. I'm thinking about maybe making the high-fidelity versions available 128, mm-hmm. where we sound like we're an FM voice when we talk. Yeah. Uh, those are available. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Again, it's a little more work for me mm-hmm. uh, to get those 
uh, because I'm incompetent on updating websites. If I had somebody that knew how to do websites, I wouldn't spend all time doing that. I might actually like read some things. Yeah. So, well, uh, but anyway, maybe there's a futurian out there who can hook us up. I don't know. But yeah, if somebody feels so led, I certainly appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Uh, she says, uh, just in a follow-up, uh, she says, um, uh, Guy Malone, Mike Kaiser, and Joe Jordan referred me to your site. says, I've been enjoying listening to your archive, a new podcast. I've actually bought several books, having listened to your interviews with the authors. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to flatter you, but, uh, but flatter away. That's yeah. Fine. Uh, but I'm really impressed with how well-informed you are and your skills in interviewing. I can't stand listening to a lot of TV radio interviewers these days. They seem to think interviewing someone means shouting at them like what you're talking about, mm-hmm. or simply getting an opportunity to sound off on their own personal viewpoint, which, granted, I do some. You actually draw out a lot of information from the people you interview and even get them to think about their material in a different way and make new connections. Your respect for them as persons, regardless of whether or not you agree with their viewpoint, is very evident as a testimony to Christ in you. Man, that's comforting wow, word. thank you. I was especially... Well, I mean, it's really compliment to us. Well. I was especially struck by your interview with a young man of ayahuasca spirituality. You let him talk, and then ask piercing questions. He may not have made the connections we as believers might see, but many of your listeners no doubt will make those, and perhaps seeds you planted will someday bear fruit in him. Talk about an encouraging word. Wow. After yeah. all the word we've had on the other side of the fence yeah. on that. How come you haven't shouted him down? Kathleen, I, I appreciate that word. She says, uh, from a personal standpoint, uh, let's see, I'm going to skip this down here. Mm-hmm. Um and we're talking about spiritual gifts. And she says, but perhaps the most important gift in that regard is the gift of discernment. She says, God bless you and Tom, and middle name in brackets, in mm-hmm. your ministry. So, Kathleen, thank you for that. And I hope we're not as warbly, other than our natural warbly. We might get some high-fidelity uh, uh, things on there, and uh, you'll be able to hear it that mm-hmm. way soon. But give us, give us an international one there. Okay. Okay, how about Sweden? Would that That's count? a good one. Is that technically international? Yeah. We haven't uh, we haven't taken them over. Uh, okay, this is uh, I don't know if it's Mikael or how you pronounce that. M I K A E L. Same name as mine, I'm assuming in yeah. Swedish. Okay, um, greetings from Mikael like in Sweden. I don't, I, I don't know. It says hi, Doctor Future and Tom. You know, that always comes out in every language, Dr. Future and Tom, internationally. Like, like Tom Bionic. Yeah. Except our, <laughs> some of our ones in the savannah, in the bushes. When they I love name. watching foreign foreign, foreign TV where they where they talk advertising. Coca-Cola. Yeah. <laughs> well, this may need to be our last one here, okay? okay. Um, it says, my name is Mechiel. I've been listening to your shows now for some time. They're very interesting and important, and I appreciate your work. The lecture at the UN's IIIHS is just awesome. I am mm-hmm. a born-again Christian since about six years back and living in secular Sweden, and these times is very strange. I'll bet. Yeah, listen to his description here. What turn, finally turned me to Jesus, I'm 48 years old, mm-hmm. uh, was the world events following 911. Mm. Listening to, you know, Lord makes all things work together for good. Mm-hmm. Listening to the reports from Iraq, Afghanistan, it hit me like a ton of bricks that these operations are run by evil people. Mm-hmm. You can say that it was people like George W. Bush that turned me to Jesus. Sweet. Um, you know, yeah. in its own way. What followed then was a very intense period when I studied and studied, reading and listening to various lectures and radio broadcasts, most of them from the U.S. You see, this person is a seeker. 
And mm-hmm. Jesus says, he who seeks finds. Uh, it was a lot of catching up to do about world history, politics, and religion. And somewhere in all of this, I studied creation evolution, and it became clear to me so many things almost simultaneously. I can only describe it as I was seeking the truth with an open mind, and God opened my eyes and poured knowledge and understanding into me. Hmm. He might like, um, along with creation stuff, uh, I passed this along. I have not, have not seen them, but a good friend of the show... Uh, Brother Chris from over there in North Carolina or something. Logosapologia.com. Logosapologia.com. Yeah. Okay. He, he's done he's done like a seven-part sort of creation thing that, huh. you know, uh, through the grapevine has been, you know, pretty compelling. Huh. And I know that a lot of his other work is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. So you can find it on YouTube or huh. Logosapologia, Logosapologia, one word, dot com. Logosapologia.com. Yeah. Okay. He says, I'm an engineer. Until then, I was more or less an atheist and evolutionist. I have a logical and analytical mind, and my belief system must fit within my knowledge and experience, and only Christianity and the Bible can do that. Like your experience and how mm-hmm. you came. Yeah. My life has turned, and I have a new purpose with it. I'm eternally grateful, but still there is much to learn and much to do. Mm-hmm. He says, I grew up in a very non-religious environment, and religion was never a big issue in my life. Still, throughout my life, I always had a strange feeling that something is very wrong in society, but I couldn't put my finger on what it was. To become born again in Sweden is something of a miracle. Mm-hmm. Uh, the government, mainstream media, and education system puts a massive propaganda on the people with humanist secularism, multiculturalism, and evolution. The church leaders are basically invisible. Just to give you an example, one of them, Bishop Koshkinen, who is often a spokesperson on the media on religious matters, said that people who study the book of Revelation and interpret literally are a bunch of strange doomsday cultists. And he also said that hopefully Jesus will not return for several billion years. It's not a joke. That is what he said in an interview on national radio. Well, I had a Southern Baptist pastor at a major church say mm-hmm. basically the same thing. He said, I mentioned to a colleague at work that I believe in creation, and he looked at me as if he had just seen a pink beetle wearing a home net sweater and playing a bike pipe crawling on my face. Was it George Harrison? Or uh, I know you'd appreciate that. Yeah. That's how bad it is. Uh, it's B-E-E-T. No. Uh, at least in the U.S., you have an open discussion on these topics. In Sweden, it's not even a debate. The few truth movement type forums are flooded with all these new age type believers, each of them with their own belief system. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I really like what you do. I like listening to you. I can sense that we have a similar type of humor. Yep. And I wish you well in these turbulent last days. God bless, Mikio. Yeah. Hey, man, now, we'll come to the politics of religion thing. We'll hang out. Come to Fort Wayne. Probably yeah. most Swedish people have always had a dream to come to Fort Wayne. I'll buy him dinner if he shows You'll up. You'll buy him dinner? I'll buy him dinner. I will buy him an after dinner mint. I might even splurge for a soft drink at the uh, gas station. Diet or regular. <laughs> hey, please come see us. Yeah, man. Uh, we'll, we're going to make you an honorary uh, Future Quake staff person from Sweden, our Swedish correspondent. Okay? Because mm-hmm. it sounds like you're yeah. sort of a lone wolf, and uh, we want to keep you sane out there. Okay, yeah, man. Miguel? We appreciate you and love you, brother. We're going to be living for eternity with you. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we're neighbors. Bring the cheese dip. We're going to need a lot of it. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, um, hang with us, okay? Hang with our fellow Futurians here. And this was very informative, what you had to say. I'm afraid our country is going the direction you explained. And uh, that's why we need each other. And believe me, we're ostracized, too, and people think we have a pink mm-hmm. 
pink beetle with a sweater on on our face too. Yeah. In our own way. And, and we've like got John go. Lennon. Yeah. Speaking of pink beetles with sweaters, here is Merv to tell you how to contact us at Future Quake. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. We have to go. That's a good one. I, I enjoyed that. We went into overtime here, but you wanted an international one, and that was a good one. That was a really good one. I'm so encouraged to see people like that, people who uh, they came to the truth and they know it's the truth. And and it's just awesome. They're standing against the tide too. It's just it's so gosh, God is just so rad. Mm-hmm. I know. You know, he's just uh he's just getting ready to to move and man, mm-hmm. it's cool. God bless uh, you. Well yeah, first tell us how to pronounce your name better. We want to get that right. Mm-hmm. But hang with us, keep in touch with us out there and all of our other Swedish friends out there too. Mm-hmm. That's a great place. I love being there. Me uh, too. Yeah, I had some smoked eel there. It was good. Wow. And they like uh, they like smoking the bandit, and they like Camaros and Firebirds and stuff. So you know it's a good place. So yep. we just got to get more churches and believers there. Mm-hmm. We got to go, you all. Come back next week. We're going to have Tom Horn uh, talking about his latest book out. We'll get back into the interview scene. Mm-hmm. And until then, oh, check out the website. Tons of stuff at futurequake.com. Set aside a couple hours just to peruse what you find there. Mm -hmm. But until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Bye. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. Quake, quake, quake.